springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! Welcome to Fair Game, the podcast with a firm focus on Irish sportswomen coming to you on the Head Stuff Podcast Network. I'm Elaine Buckley. And I'm Emily Glenn. On this episode, we're departing from our usual style of podcasting to bring you something brand new. On this, the first episode of Fair Game Recommends, we're going to be bringing you a roundup of some of the best women's sports content that we've consumed in recent weeks. The highlights of events we've attended and some upcoming events that might be right up your alley. While you're on your phone there, get over onto Twitter and follow us at Fair Game Cast, where you can get Fair Game recommendations on a daily basis, helping you stay up to speed on everything happening in women's sports on and off the field, both at home and abroad. Sharing episode links on the likes of Twitter, Facebook and WhatsApp also goes a long way. So send this on to your friends, family and club mates who you think might enjoy it. And lastly, you know that Fair Game is available to subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. So if you enjoy the podcast, then do us a favour and rate and review us on your app of choice. It's not just something that we say, it actually really helps us to spread the word about the show and helps sports fans just like you find out about people just like us. So the story with this episode is we have picked five things. An event attended over the weekend, a reading recommendation, a podcast recommendation, a social media follow recommendation and an upcoming event recommendation. Hence the title, Fair Game Recommends. Uh, but before we get into it, just a little review of the weekend. And actually, this ties in well with me explaining why my voice currently sounds like this. Um, Saturday was a very big day for my hockey club. Muckris had two teams involved in Leinster Cup Finals Day. Um, one win, one loss. Both of them went to extra time, one of them went to shootout, so there was a lot of shouting involved on my behalf. Um, and as the PRO for the club, it was a very busy day, and it's those kind of days that really just kind of, I don't know, they kind of just make you just fall in love with being on a club committee again, all over again. It could be really hard work throughout the season, but when you get to a special day like that, even though both results didn't go our way, it was still an absolutely brilliant day to be involved in, and hopefully my voice comes back soon. It was uh, really fun. I ca- I caught the end of uh, the second Muckers match and one of my favourite things about watching sporting events with you, Elaine, is watching your reactions because you just go through like a, a cycle of every possible emotions in the span of about 30 seconds, especially when it went to the, the shootout. It was a lot like it was, it was an awful lot. A lot of feelings, a lot of a lot of high drama. And um, I suppose when we're talking about stuff like this, I always go first because Emily has absolutely going to put me to shame now with her personal sporting endeavours over the weekend quite different what were you up to well I actually reclaimed uh, some self of self sense of self-respect even um this weekend a couple of pals and I went off to the Connemara marathon we ran the half marathon uh I paced a pal around her first half marathon in Clontarf last year and she smoked me as only hockey players can do with that sprint finish uh in the last 500 meters she left me in a trail of dust last year and this this year I got my revenge so it's now one all Amy Young where was that through kind of like Clifton 
we sta- well we stayed in Clifton and then we got the bus out actually the bus situation was bizarre they take you out about 40 minutes out the road two hours before the start and they kind of leave you in a car park um to stress and there is a DJ who trolls you playing music about the weather and then you run for 30 miles I actually haven't really looked up an awful lot about this run other than I knew it was kind of hilly um, so I knew that was the reputation of it but I didn't look at the Strava or anything and I kind of assumed it would be via Coast Road but it wasn't it was two mountains and just beautiful stunning so uh, yeah I had a great run so delighted with myself now and you all got over the line all got over the line uh, all Nobody got hypothermia. There was a couple of dodgy tummies the next day, but that was from the the post-race refreshments rather than anything race-related. And then got home safely um, and got home just in time to watch the uh, the London Marathon highlights, which was great. So uh, unless you've been living, living under a rock, you will know that the London Marathon happened this weekend. It has been all over social media. And actually, I think in a way that no other marathon really does, um, the TV broadcasters really broadcast, really focus in on the like the personal stories while you're running it. You're running it in a joint teddy bear suit to raise money for whomever. Um, in a way that like no other... I, I don't actually think you get the same from New York or from Boston or, or from Chicago or from anywhere else. I think that's really unique to London. Um, so, yeah, I loved doing that. Um, Irish women, I think, have probably had their heyday there in 1998 when Katrina McKiernan won. She was the only Irish woman still who's ever won the London Marathon. Um, and the women's elite field is now dominated by Kenyans and Ethiopians. Um, and actually the the kind of headline media is focused on the men's elite field from London Marathon so you'll probably hear an awful lot about Mo Farah and Elliot Kipchoge who um, tried to break the two-hour marathon this year and didn't have a didn't come anywhere near it in London but um, yeah the the women's race was really dramatic but it was the other end of the spectrum from the recent Boston Marathon we've had in terms of coverage for the female elites and also the weather. London was, I think, in the midst of a heat wave and uh, I think Boston was getting the end of Storm Emma or Storm Ophelia or whichever storm they were currently having. Um, But there were so many upsets in both those races and I think one of the things that really strikes me is that I got really, like, emotionally connected to all of the American runners who were running Boston and I like I kind of knew loads about them and I was cheering on Shalane and Jordan Hasse dropped out and um then Desi Linden won it and I I knew all of these people and the top 20 um female elite finishers in Boston are all American one Canadian um, what there's one Kenyan who's um Edna Kiplagat who won it last year, so she was a defending Kenyan, but it was just full of recognizable names and people that you know and blogs that you follow or people you follow on Instagram. Um, and I think the thing is uh, about London that I really feel like kind of pushes you back a step from connecting with it. The the women's elite field in the same way is that the the uh, Ethiopians and the Kenyans and that those elite runners they don't have the same kind of social media presence so I don't know them I, I don't know any of their stories you know I can tell you what Shalane Flanagan had for breakfast I can tell you what you know Des Linden had I she has a coffee company you can go buy her coffee like do you know what I mean you can't do the same with the uh, the, the London field and I, I I would like them to to change that in recent years but it was phenomenal to watch and where was it? It was broadcast on BBC. It was, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can get the red button now still. 
Hmm, if so if you fancy watching back a 40 kilometre race, is that? Yeah, but the they distance? do highlights. Yeah, but it, like, I mean, it is 42 kilometres. Yeah, 26 miles. It's the the the, 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 pers- the personal stories that come out of marathons. I actually love watching them on TV because it's just when they cross the finish line, there's so much emotion involved and it's just brilliant. And BBC do do brilliant coverage of it as well. They really do. And like they have them out there. They have the, the reporters out there picking up all the all the stories as they go along. And there's there's always someone who gets proposed to as well. And I think if you got down on one knee in front of me as I just ran a marathon, I'd probably vomit on you. I'd be looking for an ice pop and a towel and a medal. Never mind a ring. Well, I'd say there was um, a couple of people in Kinnegad over the weekend looking for an ice pop <laughs> come full time <laughs> whistle. Um my event that I went to over the weekend was the Little National League Division 1 and 2 semi-finals. Now, the, the way they were structured this year, there was two double headers: One in Burr, where you had Cavan playing Waterford in Division 2 and Cork playing Mayo in Division 1 as a double header, And then the other one in Kinnegad, which was Armagh v Tip, followed by Dublin v Galway. And... I just can't. I've I've christened the day escape from Kinnegad because I've just never I don't think I've ever seen back to back two such intense football matches. Um due to myself and my friend talking such absolute rot of pre match analysis in the car on the way down, we completely missed the exit for Kinnegad for the N four and ended up missing the first half of the Armavi tip match. So we arrived down to the ground. And looked at the scoreboard half time and Armagh were beating Tipperary by six points, which I found, I was quite surprised by it actually. So Tip had this massive mountain to climb coming out in the second half and, you know, you know they were riled up for it. They were coming out back onto the pitch looking ready. First minute, Armagh score another goal. All of a sudden they have nine points to claw back. And in the next 20 odd minutes, they did it. Like it was far from champagne football. It was very, very scrappy game. But... You know, they had that massive hill to to climb and through sheer guts and determination, they did it. And the work rate was ferocious. Orla O'Dwyer in particular played out of her skin. Ashley Maloney, Samantha Lambert, Jennifer Grant, they all just had the game of their lives in the second half and got over the line. And there was some serious scenes at full time. And then it was on to the the Division 1 semi-final, Dublin versus Galway. Galway, of course, having beaten them in, in the, the last round of, of, the, of, the, of the group stage of the league. I was kind of just calming down after the Tip Fiarma match and Leanne Cohen for Galway goes and scores a goal in the very first minute, like rattles the back of the net. And it was like, oh Jesus, here's this is going to be another mad one. Galway led for the entire match. They led at half-time. They led for majority for all of the second half until substitute Nicole Owens scored I was certainly the best goal I've ever seen her score. Um a run from from, from the halfway line, two one twos, and then she buries it in the top of the net just as the clock turns thirty minutes at the end of the match. Galway had a chance to level it. Roisin Leonard with a free that drifted agonizingly wide. That would have brought it to extra time, but no, it went wide. The day was Dublin's and they got over the line and just two incredible matches. Just couldn't get over them. And meanwhile, during the Dublin-Galway match, we were following the action in Burr as well, where Mayo caused a massive upset where they knocked out Cork, the defending champion. So now we have, on the 6th of May in Parnell Park, we have the Division 2 final to look forward to, which is going to be Cavan v Tip. And we have the Division 1 final to look forward to, which is going to be Dublin v Mayo. Mayo haven't won it since 2007 beaten finalists in 09, 2013, 2016, all to Cork. Dublin have never won it. So 
if you haven't got it in your diary already, Sunday 6th of May, Parnell Park, there are going to be absolute fireworks on that pitch. Just make sure you're there. And if you wanted to catch up on the semi-final action, um, where would you go about doing it? Where can you find can you find highlights anywhere? Yeah, Jerome Quinn, as usual, uh, the saviour of ladies football fans. He was he had cameras at both games, so he has highlights. He has all the goals clipped. Check out his own Twitter account. It's at Jerome Quinn, or else on the ladies football Facebook page, and you can watch it back all there. It's it was just such an incredible day of football. Sounds whopper. Um, that sounds yeah. I also love the way you sell it to me because now I'm really excited to go home and watch it. I haven't uh, I haven't done that yet. Um, but I was off running a half marathon. I don't know if I mentioned. Yeah, I know it's fair. It's a fair enough excuse. So what 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 were you reading after the half marathon? Well, it wasn't what I was reading after. It was what I was reading before. Um, and I read Amelia Boone's 2018 race report from the the Barclay marathons. Um, if you haven't seen it after this episode go and watch on Netflix the Barclay Marathons because um, it's insane it's just phenomenal and insane it's uh, six loops of I think it's it's an indeterminate amount of time because it changes the course changes every year so it's it's not a measured distance it's not like 100 mile or 60 mile or whatever it changes every time um, and uh, it's been going since 1986 there's only been 15 finishers in total since 1986 and a couple of those have been repeat finishers uh, and there have been no female finishers and Amelia Boone was one of a group of women who went uh, in 2018 also sorry the entry system isn't like entering a normal marathon where there's there's probably a few spots for women or there's you know a certain quota this is all just done by this one guy called Laz who picks basically so he gave um a couple of spots to uh to some formidable ultra runners and Amelia Boone is is one of them now she's new to the ultra running community um she is a really accomplished obstacle course racer now I don't know anything about obstacle course racing but from what I can gather it's a mix between the CrossFit Games and a Tough Mudder um, and she wins them and works full time so she's one of them classic overachievers but anyway she has um, she if you're looking to get lost in the internet and come out feeling really inspired and all het up and ready to go and take on the world I would recommend highly going over to her blog it is ameliaboonracing.com she lays it out all out there she's talked extensively about injuries and recovery and reassessing her goals and discovering um kind of the joy of her sport again and a passion for her sport and one thing that I really love that she does is she uh isn't afraid of saying oh I've actually been in my comfort zone for a while so I'm going to go and do something else which is a particular type of person but she verbalizes it all very very well and it's really compelling reading and the Barclay Race Report report is a great place to start. Excellent well for something completely different what I my reading recommendation is a book that I have just finished Um, it's called Roar and it's by Samantha Lane and the tagline of it is the stories behind AFLW, a movement bigger than sport. And if you follow us on Twitter, you're probably aware that we're very into our Australian rules football since since the, the women's only professional league launched last February. And the book, a bit about the book, Samantha Lane is an Australian sports journalist and writer and Roar is her debut book. And it takes the format of interviews with 
key people of that AFLW movement. So the people who were involved in getting it off the ground from administrators to the coaches who really fought for it to the players who have emerged as the stars in, in the first two seasons, such as Kirby Bentley and Taylor Harris, Daisy Pierce and Katie Brennan. And there's also a really good chapter with groundbreaking uh, the first female coach, Beck Goddard. And I don't want to spoil it too much because it's it was a book that I was kind of reading... I don't want to say out of necessity, but like any time a new women's sports book comes out, I I want I I want to read it. But this instantly gripped me, and what gripped me was the opening passage. The title of the book "Roar" refers to the opening night of the AFLW, which took place in Princes Park, Melbourne, last February, where Carlton and Collingwood played the first match of the new league in front of a capacity crowd of twenty four thousand five hundred and sixty eight people, with thousands more locked outside who showed up and couldn't get in plus an audience in excess of a million watching at home. So I'm just going to read this opening paragraph and I guarantee you it's going to to make you want to go out and buy this book. For every rejection, for every set of glazed eyes, for every condescending laugh, for every flat no. For every senior manager and chief executive, even at the Australian Football League, who was scornful when he should have known better. For every champion of change told that only butch, ugly women played football. For every mocking, belittling, disabling, bullying, sexist and homophobic insult ever directed at the code's spurned sister. And for every time there was radio silence because what they actually screamed was disrespect. That is what the roar was for. So this is the kind of book that will have you believing that anything is possible for women's sport because that league according to some people was doomed to fail and it's been nothing but a success story and, and just a really, really, really just great setup for a women's sporting league so the title again is Roar by Samantha Lane go and buy it it's available on Book Depository with free delivery to Ireland Is the format similar to the Kate Louise Rowan book um, about the Ireland Rugby Six Nations? Yeah it's just it's interviews with okay. kind of the the but it, it goes back to the very origins of of the men's AFL and kind of the resistance that, that they faced all th- all through like going back decades it's absolutely brilliant. It uses the personal stories of the main characters of the AFLW to tell the overarching kind of historical narrative of how this came to pass. And it's just absolutely brilliant. I can't recommend it highly enough. Interesting. I'm going to going to borrow that when we're done here. Uh, when, you, when you had free time from reading that book, what were you listening to? Yes, this is the next section. So podcast recommendations. And my podcast recommendation, I listened to a lot of American sports podcasts because I think in many ways America is quite far ahead of Ireland, England, the rest of Europe in terms of their coverage of women's sports. And one of my favourites is a podcast called That's What She Said, which is by a, an ES, hosted by an ESP, ESPN journalist called Sarah Spain. And the latest episode of it is titled When Will We Separate Women on TV from Their Bodies? So Sarah is an ESPN, she's a writer. She, she writes a lot for ESPNW, the kind of designated women's sports site for ESPN. But she's also on screen a lot. And recently, I guess she just reached breaking point with the comments she get in, gets in relation to her appearance on television. From what she wears down to how her hair looks, her makeup, what shoes she has on, how much leg she's showing, how much cleavage she, she's showing. Literally just this constant stream of commentary from anonymous men, largely, 
on her Instagram feed, on her Twitter feed. And if you follow Sarah on Twitter, she frequently calls out, like just retweets with a with with a retraction, the stupid crap that people send her way based on her sports presenting job. But she's kind of decided to condense all that and share not only her experiences, but she also draws on an entire panel of other sports broadcasters. And that includes Kate Fagan, Ellie Duncan and Jameel Hill and a couple of others as well. And it's over an hour long. Now, it's a long listen, but there is a huge range of topics covered from just everything that these women have experienced working in sports media. Um, it's the kind of podcast that will change your attitudes as to how you consume sports media and just a new level of respect for what these women are doing because they have to justify their very being on television a hundred times more than their male counterparts do. So the podcast title again is called That's What She Said and it's the latest episode when will we separate women on TV from their bodies? I really, really liked that episode. And what I really liked about it was that when they were all talking, um, they there was no detail that was too small. They were like, you know, going back and deleting Instagram comments that are abusive is a waste of my time and it is not my job. Um, and they were kind of talking about that and then juxtaposing that to, you know, body shaming that they experienced um or wardrobe malfunctions it was it really was a very honest look at the entire span of everything from choosing their wardrobes to monitoring their social media there was nothing there was nothing ranty about it but it was just a really honest you know calling out bullshit when you see it and saying that this is not my job this is not this is not part of the role. No, nobody else has to do this. Nobody is expected to do this. Um, and I, I really, I really like the level of detail that they went into when they were analysing, you know, the levels of bullshit that they have to deal with. Um, and my, my podcast recommendation is from the New York Times. It's from um, their daily news roundup called The Daily. Um, and the episode is from Wednesday the 18th. Um, we'll tweet a link to it. And it really, I listened to it and then when we decided we were going to include a podcast uh, recommendation in Fair Game Recommends, it like sprung to mind because this is, it features a, a woman called Jocelyn Bailey Davis, who is a professional cheerleader from the Saint Sations. And uh, she is talking about how they, you know, they'd never really joined the this whole Me Too movement Um it's not really something that they she sought out to do but she was fired uh, and she's taken an unfair dismissals claim now against the the saint stations um and she is talking about their employment practices and she's 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 still a, she, i think she's about 19 or 20 she's incredible she's a very young woman but obviously very accomplished and uh she's talking about the things that they you, you know kind of put up with in their um in their contract of employment where you know they would have to block um, all of the uh, any footballer from any league uh, and any team uh, on Instagram and all social media they couldn't be friends with them if they were at a party and a man was there who was in any way affiliated or associated with a, a football team they, they would have to leave the party the same with general restaurants even if they were at different ends of the restaurant it was the woman's job to go to leave um, even if she was working there in some instances uh, they'd have to hide in the kitchen just bizarre things and the way she was kind of talking about it you could almost hear the penny drop as she was saying it out loud like oh this is actually yeah no this is bullshit um, and 
I suppose it highlighted two things for me and one is that you know you're talking about Sarah Spain and her colleagues who are very seasoned uh, seasoned professionals but also very confident in calling out the scale and the level of bullshit that they've had to deal with and then you have somebody on the other end of the spectrum who's just kind of finding her voice and her legitimacy and saying yeah no I do I do make a living based on my body and what my body can do and achieve um in a way that sometimes is perceived as being less athletic because it's cheerleading rather than being the football player um so you know sometimes I, th- I think we can kind of maybe disregard that or, or think that's a, a little bit less legitimate um you know like oh of course what do you expect but isn't that really what what women's sport has been told for for many years of course what do you expect um so i i just think i think it was a deadly lesson i would challenge anyone who thinks that to go out and do a training session with a cheerleader that would <laughs> really just change your mind on that i think in terms of the physical demands of of that field um yeah so that's a that's a really good podcast actually to, to check out it's a nice short one as well it comes in in about 25 minutes so um there we've given you one for a long run and one for a short run um on to our next recommendations which are social media follows um my one is it's called pell west and the 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 twitter username is at pell p-e-i-l-w-e-s-t and i saw this pop up on my feed last week and i was instantly intrigued by it it's a new football camp launched by mayo footballer fiona McHale exclusively for girls aged 5 to 13, which will be taking place in Claremorris County Mayo from the 9th to the 13th of July, and which features a stellar lineup of coaches from the Mayo Senior Football Panel, all women. And the reason that this caught my attention was because I saw it pop up and instantly I thought, oh my God, I wish that had existed when I was a kid. Because I gave up playing football when I was 13, you know, at that kind of crucial age. I didn't go back to it till I was 25 and it is one of my biggest regrets. And, you know, the whole, the the fact that this is being launched by one of the top footballers in the country with a coaching panel that includes, you know, her teammates Sarah Rowe, Neve Kelly, Darren Hughes, and also there's going to be a special guest appearance from Cora Staunton too. I just immediately put myself into the shoes of like a 12 or 13 year old who has footballing aspirations. And that would be the absolute max crack and I was quite intrigued by it so I asked Fiona about her reasons behind launching Pell West and in her own words I wanted to design a camp where girls would be in direct contact with their role models for some of them it may be their first experience of Gaelic football and I wanted to be a positive one where fun is central to the learning environment through the senior players coaching and influence over the week I hope Pell West will help inspire girls to continue playing and following the game so that last sentence, I think, is the crux for me that, you know, girls go along to a camp like this. They come out having learned fundamental football skills from some of the best players in the game. But they also immediately then want to support the Mayo football team and hopefully one day play for them. And I think that is what is so crucial about this. Also noteworthy, yesterday, a new camp, another new camp popped up. Um, that's Tips for Girls. It's a very clever name at T-I-P-P-S figure four girls and that's run by Ashley Maloney and Ashley McCarthy the, the dynamic duo um, behind Tipperary's assault on the intermediate All-Ireland competition last year which they ended up winning it sounds like it's going to be a similar kind of setup they haven't released the full details yet but you know these two camps popping up in the space of a week that's very positive going forward for, for football I think Absolutely and I think uh, one of the things we always kind of 
identify as a, a major impasse for getting bums on seats, um, especially around women's sporting events, is that people don't generally make the, the link between the sport they play and the professional end of it. So this sounds like it's, it could be something to, to bridge that gap for generations ahead. Well, it's all what's also crucial about it is that it is just for girls. Like how many people, I would say 95% of the guests we've had in this podcast, when we ask them about growing up playing sports, they all say that because they were talented, they were farmed off to play with just the boys and that they were the only girl up until the age of 14. Whereas now we're in a position where in these different counties, the actual senior footballers are running camps that are just for girls. And that is just a huge development. And I'm so delighted to see it. And uh, yeah, just wish Fiona and Ashling and Ashling all the best with their new camps. All the Ashlings. Um, my the my social media recommendation is very different end of the spectrum again. Um, I'm going to give a shout out, not that she needs one, uh, to the one and only Lindsay Vaughan. Um, I would recommend Lindsay for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, has got to be the content that she shares with her sister, uh, and it is. It'd be fairly similar to watching Elaine and me in a gym, to be honest. Uh, one is definitely a pro, and the other is falling off medicine balls left, right, and center, and it's gas um highly recommend and then the other is uh an awful lot of kind of personal content about her injury her return to sport um the shots of her competing are just incredibly impressive uh so it's it's much more lighter content but if you don't follow her you should uh because if you're looking for a reason to uh to to go for hit the gym or or, or go for a long run that's it you'll find it there I don't like to mention it very often, but I actually met Lindsay Vaughan a couple of months ago at the Winter Olympics. I don't know if I've mentioned it. By the time this podcast goes out, Elaine's Twitter profile will be her and Lindsay. She's one of my heroes and she is probably my favourite athlete on social media or her Instagram in particular. Her journey through injuries, her journey to the Olympics, the emotion of her getting back on the podium. She is without a doubt one of the top uh, one of the top athletes on, on Instagram and on Twitter. So yeah, I would heartily endorse that recommend recommendation too and speaking of heartily endorsing our last recommendation is for upcoming events and my one is for something that is very very dear to my own heart pink ladies lgbt hockey club are having their new season launch party this friday 27th of april at 7 30 p.m in the black sheep on capel street so pink ladies is a hockey club uh, it was founded back in the summer of 2011. I was actually one of the, the f- among the first five members who got together at that first training session. We wound up being a team who travelled to Rotterdam to compete and win bronze medals at the, the, the LGBT Euro Games. And eight years later, it's still going strong. It's, it's, got, it's, it's only gotten bigger and better. This is going to be the eighth season. And the way they started... It can be a bit daunting, I suppose, the idea of going down to join a sports team for the first time, especially one, I suppose, of the nature of, of, of Pink Ladies. So what they do is they hold what's kind of an icebreaker night where everyone just goes for pints and pool. So it's it's people who have who play Pink Ladies, who have played and who are hoping to play this season. So that's happening this Friday night, 27th of April, 7.30pm in the Black Sheep. Give them a shout. All the info's on pinkladieshockey.com. And then following on from that, training will be commencing on May the 10th and takes place every Wednesday throughout the summer at 7.30pm in Railway Union Hockey Club. When I say they welcome all levels, like we have had I players went. who players like Emily who'd never even seen a hockey stick before, right down to, to ex-Irish internationals. We have two amazing coaches and I personally, like, 
what I would say about Pink Ladies was it absolutely changed my life and I could not recommend it highly enough. So check it out. Yeah, no, it is deadly. And it is max crack. Uh, you have you don't have to have any hockey skills. I don't still and I will, will consider going for post-refreshment points. Max crack. Uh, my upcoming event recommendation happens this weekend, 28th of April. The Sonia Actual O'Sullivan is taking place in uh, 100th Park Run in Cabin Tealy. So all you have to do, these park runs, they're 5k, they happen at 9.30 in the morning, they're all free. So, and they all happen in uh, parks that have a market attached to them, which I personally feel is key. So you get to show up, run your 5k and then have a coffee with your mates and by 11 o'clock you're done and dusted. And it is great. And this Saturday, the 28th, Sonia Ashwell O'Sullivan is going to be there doing her bit, running her laps and you'll get to run with her, uh, which is insane. Actually, like it's actually insane. Uh, I think everyone remembers watching Sonia compete in her heyday and we're certainly mad fans of the content she produces for the Irish Times Sport. So um, yeah, be there, be square. Yeah, you don't get the opportunity to go for a run with Sonia very often as she predominantly lives in Australia. So this is extra reason to try and catch her in Cabin Tealy this Saturday morning. So we've given you a lot of information there. Don't worry, we're going to share all vital links to those recommendations for everything we've talked about on our Twitter feed. That's at Fair Game Cast. So make sure and give us a follow and look out for those recommendations. We're go- we'll pin them to the to- top of the page so that they're easy to find. Uh, this is the first in the series of At Fair Game Recommends. Um, so if you have an event coming up that you think we would be interested in um, or if you have seen some content that you think would be uh, of interest to this section, tweet it at us and we will fight over who gets to talk about it next. Yeah, we really appreciate any, in particular, kind of any international kind of books, podcasts, any recommendations like that. Please just send them on. We are absolutely ravenous for women's sport content and we're always on the lookout for new stuff we hope you find a few things that you're interested in reading listening to or going to from this and we will chat to you again soon this has been a production of the head stuff podcast network Furniture Clearance Center for up to 70% off new retail prices. Stock is updated regularly, so you never know what kind of treasures you'll find. We offer a wide variety of stylish furniture for any budget, and every piece is court certified, so you can let your personality show in every room. And now through April 3rd is our tax refund sale. Mention refund 25 and take 25% off living room and dining room sets. Use your refund and refresh your home with stylish finds from Court Furniture Clearance Center. Go to courtclearancefurniture.com today.